stuff today? <laughs> Glad you can't see that. Another person that doesn't like this cold weather is joining us today, and that's John Oliver. John, how are you? I'm doing good. I'll go a bit further than Ned. I would tell you how I feel about winter, but this isn't a George Carlin <laughs> segment, so... And Josh Roberts, this isn't a weather show, but how do you feel about winter? I'd rather be cold than hot. Okay. Ooh. All right. All right. <laughs> well, I'll debate well, that with you. Also, <laughs> like the Farmer's Almanac people, we need it to kill the bugs. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> we need it to kill the bugs, okay? All right. Let's uh, start out the show today and talk a little bit about John Madden because he passed away this week, and I think that's the best place for us to start. Ned and I did, uh, did the morning show this week, and we got a chance to talk about it, so... Let's go back and recap some of what we said. Well, I'm going to enhance upon that a little bit because it's a case of, in, in, and I hate this, but double mortality here. Here you have John Madden, and we talked about him, and then just two days later, Betty White passes yes. from the scene. Now, these are two two of the most iconic in their professions, individuals who, who have existed in our lifetime. Madden did it through coaching, but more than that, through his tremendous level of articulation he is the best he sent the set the bar for color commentators on tv the guy explained it in layman's terms he did it with a flair he had the magic personality to really envelop everybody There's nobody who didn't like john madden for heaven's sake his, his matches with summerall and with al michaels and mm-hmm. Those 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 teams that he worked with were just so good, and he made them so good. The man was iconic, deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, deserves the Madden NFL. He is a legitimate icon. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so was Betty White, who passed away just a few weeks shy of being 100 years old. And here's, here's a woman who exemplified, not just necessarily female, but a person who exemplified what acting's all about. Started in her late teens, late, well, late 20s, really. And then all through the decades continued in starring roles and just really one of the, one of the first ladies of, of TV more than anything else. Although she could have done some Broadway acting as well but another of the genuinely outstanding icons of that profession to lose him here within a couple of days of each other. Really very sad, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. John, we didn't get a chance to talk to you, but I know that you're, a, like me, a big video game guy. Mm-hmm. And so the Madden NFL, or the EA Sports Madden, has been a stalwart of video games for 25, 30 years now. Mm-hmm. It's, it started off on just the Sega Genesis, you know, that far back. And it's it's been 30 years at this point. Uh, I don't think he ever realized the institution that that would become. And it's, it's a multi-billion dollar franchise each year. So just the effect he's had on that. As Ned mentioned, there's nobody better on color commentary than him. It's funny, just eloquent at times, and then still dumbs it down for folks to where they can understand it. A couple of things I found interesting about Betty White. What a what a loss on her. She uh, she was four when the Cardinals won their first World Series, <laughs> and Babe Ruth hit 554 of his home runs after she was born. <laughs> so she's she's seen she's seen things that are unimaginable to the rest of us, and it's a huge loss. She was a fantastic lady, just a, a beacon of of hope for everybody. I think she touched. And what about you, Mr. Roberts? What you know, my, what I loved about John Madden was what everybody's saying. He w- he could explain football to where anybody could understand it, mm. but he also had this comedic timing yeah. <laughs> that made it so fun to listen to him. 
I mean, I loved it when he was on on the air because I'm like, what's Madden going to say about this play? You know, and all of his booms and bangs and all his sound effects that he would do. He was great. He was great. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there, nothing else needs to be said about Betty White. She was amazing, too. I, uh, you know, one of the worst kept secrets around here is that I grew up an Oakland Raiders fan here in Springfield, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Had a very difficult childhood. <laughs> and, um, but I, I grew up in the period when Madden was coaching the Raiders and he was a bit of an anomaly at the time because he was a younger coach. He was mm-hmm. in his thirties when he took over Oakland and, uh, just his style on the sidelines, just the kind of guy that he was and the way that the Raiders were. And I was talking to Ned about it the other day and I said very much like Vince Lombardi. Oh yeah. The Raiders were going to do this very few things. They their playbook was pretty small. Run to the left, run to the left, throw to the left. That's what they did all the time. And they had great receivers. They had great running backs. The left side of that offensive line, probably the best offensive line in NFL history with Art Shell and mm-hmm. and uh Dave Casper, Dave Dalvey um, Gene Upshaw, just an amazing line, and they could just run through that side all the time. And I, one of my favorite stories about about John Madden was that it, there was a, he was a coach of effect. He liked to do things for effect, so he would have the old projector set up in the film room and they'd be watching it and they'd be going back and forth and something would go wrong and he'd just knock the projector over onto the ground and then before he'd leave the room he'd look at Cliff Branch and give him a wink just to let him know I none of that's serious. I'm just I'm just playing around here. But you're absolutely right about the way that he presented the game. He took the game from being not understandable to understandable. Yeah. Oh yeah. He was probably the first color commentator to really break down the game and make you understand football and the intricacies of it. Mm-hmm. The guys before that, Dandy Don Meredith and uh, and Frank Gifford, they didn't really do that. No. Well, it, uh, Meredith did, but not in the style that, that Madden did. Meredith oh, no. tried to uh, lend something of a, an acting acting sense into what he was talking about because that's what Meredith really was. Mm-hmm. He was, a, and a very good, you know, for a guy who didn't really have any serious training, he was a very good actor as well. Mm-hmm. But he brought that kind of theatrical sense into it. But he was good. He talked about some of his old Dallas teammates and would describe plays with a sense of humor, but not quite the way that Madden did. And I think Madden realized, he said, look, you can get over statistics in, in any kind of sport, especially in football. Am I getting into that? I want to hear that. Yeah, the, the maybe the diehard 1% of football fans wants to know that thus and such scored or ran for 100 yards back in uh, 2004 or whatever, just to come up with a statistic. Yeah. He didn't do that. No, what he did was simplify it for the audience and thinking and knowing fully well that the vast majority couldn't give a damn about numbers <laughs> and and uh, the minutia that goes into football. Mm-hmm. They want it simple. They want it presented to them. And he was a genius at doing that. Yes. I think most people, too, forget about Betty White, that her where she really got known at was that she was on the Mary Tyler Moore show. Yes. Mm-hmm. And her uh-huh. character in the Mary Tyler Moore show was unpleasant. Mm-hmm. We know her as this this <laughs> this congenial older lady, but she played a very unpleasant person on the Mary Tyler Moore show, and she did it extremely, extremely well. She had yes. her own show, too, back in the early 1950s, yes. in which she played kind of a, a character role, sometimes mm-hmm. pleasant, sometimes unpleasant, and so forth. But uh, her real claim to fame, I think, is Golden Girls because she oh, was my absolutely <laughs> the ditzy 
a ditzy. So yeah. I was watching it one day, and they were talking about a little boy who was going to be out there. Well, we're going to take little Richard down the. Oh, is little Richard going to be there? Yeah, just <laughs> comments like this that were absolutely hilarious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Point out, Harry Reid passed away on the same day yes. that John Madden passed away. He was a senator from Nevada. So just if you're worried about that. The threes have gone. Yes. Mel Brooks, you're on the clock. I know. All right. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. We're your local live sports talk show. And it's uh, time to talk about last week's game, Mm -hmm. if you could call it that. It was a game in the sense that (laughs) one team participated. The other team appeared not to participate. So I'm going to start out with you, Ned, and get your thoughts on it. But at first, I want to say Pittsburgh's not a bad football team, but they got made to look really bad. They were banned last week. In fact, I'd be a little surprised if they even brought their luggage with them because they didn't show up <laughs> to that game. I mean, this was this was a, a evisceration, if you can put it that way, mm-hmm. right from the very start. They didn't they didn't show well. They are a better football team than this, but they look to me to be. And this is Pittsburgh. We're talking about. They looked like they were intimidated. They didn't mm-hmm. want to play. They didn't want to go out and really give their best. Roethlisberger, actually, interestingly enough, Roethlisberger threw for more yards than Mahomes did, but mm-hmm. who cares? He, yeah. he uh, what was it, 100 and, I've forgotten what the numbers were, but whatever it was, um, he out, it was total offense is what it was. Mm-hmm. And Mahomes threw for 258 and Roethlisberger 174. He did not react at all well to the pressure that came on him. Their offensive line is a shadow. They aren't anything mm-hmm. at all. This was... I was very, very disappointed with the way Pittsburgh played. They're better than this, but they did not show their best. And the Chiefs did. Kansas City's ready. They want to go out and win. And I think today's game is going to be very much indicative of how much they want it. John, your thoughts on the Steelers game? Uh, It it definitely was extremely one-sided. The thing that I found the most comfort in that I think the Chiefs can grow from from this, you know, you you grow from your wins as well as you do your losses. Um... Just seeing Tyreek Hill with just a couple of catches on the day, but seeing Byron Pringle with two touchdowns, Mm -hmm. Hardman with a touchdown. It's nice to see him gaining confidence in those other receivers because we know going forward, other teams are going to employ the same strategy they did early in the year and double Kelsey, double Hill, and see if those other guys can do it. So I think getting them that confidence... I, yeah, it's 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 going to be fantastic for the Chiefs moving forward. <laughs> to your point, uh, I've heard that uh, Josh Gordon, that uh, Patrick Mahomes says, I have a ton of confidence in Absolutely. Josh Gordon. And as we see him progress in getting into football shape, he might become a big factor as we make a playoff run here. Absolutely. Yeah, he's 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 still Josh Gordon. I mean, he's not the Josh Gordon that, you know, had – 1,400 receiving yards earlier in his career, but he's still dangerous. He's still very athletic, and I think it's great to have an extra weapon like that. It's kind of like if you can make a comparison on the defense, Melgram, uh, Melvin Ingram, both mm-hmm. the same. They're uh, Each is very skilled at what they do, but it's limited in their abilities anymore. They're, you know, you can only play this game for so long, and the same holds true for Gordon. Yeah, there are flashes of what he can and might still be able to do. Same with Melvin Ingram. He gets in there. There are flashes. He's not going to be the everyday star that he was maybe four or five years ago. But then, in and of itself, when you have those veterans on a team, that lends a lot of confidence to your locker room. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I talked about with Ned this week was during the Chiefs' 
winning streak, there's been but, but, but. You know, but's not playing today, and that's the reason why, <laughs> right, you know, right. blah, blah, blah. This last week, the Chiefs were on the butt side of it mm-hmm. because and have their kickers and have Travis Kelsey, and they still played a great game. Yeah, I, I, I think in my mind, I still expect too much from the Steelers because I picked that this to be a close game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm happy it wasn't. The Chiefs totally dominated. The, like you've said, the Steelers looked like they didn't even bother showing up. Uh yeah, so the Chiefs are, are seem to be fired on all cylinders, and the the other guys that you're talking about are getting good. They're getting some good catches. They're making some good plays. So it looks good moving forward because once they have everybody at once, uh, with Edward Hilaire getting over his shoulder injury and all that, I think. Gosh, you got to look at them as being the team to beat. Well, I think they are. I don't think there's any question, and the league views them that way as well. However. It is pro football and a team, especially the better teams who they're going to be seeing from here on in in the playoffs, do have the capabilities. Uh, Joe, the one, the game in which you made the reference to, but, 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 was the, uh, in my opinion, was the Chiefs-Chargers game because the Chargers were, relatively speaking, at full strength and ready for that one and playing at home, and it was an OT, overtime game. Kelsey ran that tremendous uh, (laughs) pass play for, what, 57 yards? Is that what it was? Broken field running like you expect to see some scat back. (laughs) But that was the game in which, well, there are no excuses. The better team won the game. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. All season long, we've talked about what's wrong with the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. And it's funny to see how all this has changed as the season has progressed. We talked about earlier Tom Spagn- uh, Spagnola mm-hmm. and, and about how, how he has changed coaching a little bit to get the Chiefs' defense. I mean, the Chiefs' mm-hmm. defense was porous, best to describe. Oh, yeah. And then it was the Chiefs' offense, and then after the Chiefs' offense started clicking, it was a little bit Patrick Mahomes. And now, this last week, I saw that he is in the conversation for MVP. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on that, Ned? Well, it, you're talking about Mahomes being MVP? Yeah. Oh, sh- he should be. After all, he's the best QB in the game. The one caveat to what you're talking about, however, is Kansas City's schedule. Mm-hmm. When they were 3-4, and four, gang, they were playing some pretty solid football teams <laughs> in the NFL. That's why I say when they get to the playoffs, that's what they're going to see again. Mm-hmm. This has been a lesser level. Now, it is pro football, and these are all capable teams, but it's been a lesser strength schedule this second half of the season, and everybody saw that coming. Mm-hmm. So there was a chance that the Chiefs were going to get better, and they did. But what... I think what flies under the radar is the confidence level that Kansas City has built up now. Yes, Spagnola, uh, if Spagnola's the one who came up with that plan of putting Chris Jones on the other side of the defensive line, <laughs> then he does need to be fired because yes. that was a stupid move. This guy is, is programmed to play a defensive uh, tackle, mm-hmm. and uh, that's where he wants to be. That's where he's comfortable. That's where his mindset was. And to take him out of that and put him somewhere else, it doesn't work that way with nope. anything, any profession. You can't make a change like that. Nope. And uh, that cost them, cost them dearly. It's a long season, the NFL season. You talked about how they played some good teams and they lost to those good teams. Well, mm-hmm. one of those teams they beat. Another one of those teams is spiraling mm-hmm. Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And the other one of those teams is also not playing very good well. Two of the other teams are not playing very good football right now, mm-hmm. Buffalo and Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I think you're seeing things 
everything come back together as far as the league goes. Mm-hmm. Peaks and valleys. Yep. Yes. We've talked about it time and again. This is a 17-game season. You're not going to be at your top for every single one of them. The Bills went through a valley. They are a good football team. Yes, you remember they what they did to Kansas City at Arrowhead <laughs> early in the season. That was a that was a decisive victory for them. Mm-hmm. All right, they've gone through a bit of a slump now. They are coming back. Tennessee, if they get our friend Derrick Henry back in there, and I notice he's doing light jogging now, Yep, <laughs> watch out for them. They're oh, yeah. very, very good. What are your thoughts on that, John? Uh, I think... You know, overall, I think parity wins out. You see it in baseball, hockey, football, basketball, everything. You know, the, these are still professionals. I like that Ned always says that. You know, they're going to perform for the most part. What I've seen with the Chiefs is, you know, there were so many things going wrong early. You know, the defense wasn't there. Mahomes was trying to do too much. The timing was off. And it's so funny how, and I'll say this, you know, to my grave, when the defense steps up, the offense thrives. Sure. Because the longer the defense is out on the field, the more the game trudges, the more the offense needs to feel like they need to push, 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 push. And that writes all ills for this team. So with the defense coming around, anything's possible at this point. You know, everybody can have an off week. But at the same time, these look like the, the Chiefs that have been to two straight Super Bowls. Josh, your thoughts? Well, the other thing to bear in mind, and we talked about this last time, the offensive line at the beginning of the season were all brand new. They hadn't mm-hmm. played together. They didn't have that synergy that they have now, and you can see that. They're doing a much better job of protecting Mahomes, which allows him to be as dynamic as he needs to be. And then I agree, the defense moving people back to where their strengths are <laughs> was the best thing they could have done. Melvin Ingram has been a great emotional leader for them that yes. kind of got them all fired up and put the fire back in them. And yes, everything's running smoothly right now. And for what you're saying, Joe, about these other teams that were good in the beginning of the season that seem to be in decline right now, that just that it's ripe for the plucking for mm-hmm. the Chiefs right now. Because if those teams don't turn things around before the playoffs, I think the Chiefs will just run roughshod through everybody. I'd rather be peaking now than earlier in the season. Right. Oh, you know? absolutely. Well, no question about it. You, you, that's the way all the sports are planned. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at look at baseball teams. Who was it? The Washington Nationals, who were nineteen and thirty-one, the year that was. Uh, do I have the right team? Yes. Yeah. I, uh-huh. they, I think they were nineteen and thirty-one at one time in the season. Won the World Series. Won the World Series. Oh yeah. But you oh. you uh, you plan psychologically. The directions of your team. College basketball, you want your team peaking in late February, early mm-hmm. March, getting ready for a tournament. It, it, that's the way it is with any sport. Yes. So you had to vote. You had to vote for MVP today. Who would you pick? Mahomes. Who would you pick? It would be tough to pick against Mahomes, honestly. Yeah. Who would you pick? Mac Jones. <laughs> Alabama guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you know, it's hard to pick against Tom Brady, hard to pick against Aaron Rodgers. It is. It's hard well, to pick against those guys. Well, except probably, arguably, the best team in the NFL is the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah that's true. All right, mm-hmm. we'll be back to talk more about today's game on Ned Talk, a morning 4.7 The Cave. Listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk 
on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Pre-game show starts in 35 minutes with Art Haynes. Right here on 104.7 The Cave. Until then, you got us talking about sports. Let's talk about the Chiefs and the Bengals. The very start of this season, when we went over the whole schedule, John Oliver has said this is a trap game. Mm-hmm. What do you think? What do you thought about that? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, I think it still is. I think, you know, they've been on this tremendous streak, but streaks end. <laughs> mm. And it it all depends on how Burrow does. The, the Bengals either win with him or lose with him. There's no doubt about it. I hope our secondary is up to the challenge. If it's not, this could be an ugly game quick. Agree fully with what John has to say. Uh, trap game. The Chiefs, from a personnel standpoint, are better than the Cincinnati Bengals. Absolutely. They do not have, they being the Chiefs, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in there. He won't play today. He's been ruled out. But they do have workmanlike running backs who can come in and spell Hilaire as they, Edwards-Hilaire, as they have done in the past couple of weeks when he was out before with that knee injury. But the fact of the matter remains they are seeing a high-powered offensive team. And if uh, Matthew Honey Badger is banged up, and he is, he has a quad injury, he is going to play. If the weather conditions are such, and I think they're calling for it to be in the mid-30s, somewhere around there, certainly more balmy than it is here right now. But over and above all of that, Cincinnati is one of these teams that is capable of doing a lot of things and putting a lot of points on the scoreboard and putting pressure on Kansas City to keep right on scoring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, I think, going to be a, a tough game for them. I think Kansas City wins it, but by the same token, uh, anything can happen in this one. The Bengals are a capable football team. Well, the Chiefs are healthy. Yeah. They're very healthy. They don't they have are. they don't have anybody of major note uh, on. Hilaire, Edwards Hilaire. Well, no. I was going to say on the COVID list. They don't have oh, anybody no. really on the major note no. that's on the COVID list. Hilaire, they've even said... Possibly could have played today, but they're, you know, taking, being safe. But the Chiefs secondaries played extremely well, and they play press coverage. They get up on guys. I know that the the Bengals have a couple of really good receivers, but I, I'm going with the Chiefs in this game. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to bet against them, but I will say one thing we haven't talked about is quietly, regardless of what people think about his past, Joe Mixon has become a stellar running back. So the Chiefs are going to have to deal with that as well. This is one of the top five running backs in the NFL at this point. What do you think, Josh? I I think at the beginning of the season it made sense for you to call this a trap game. But I think because of where the Bengals are, they're fighting for a playoff spot. They're trying to possibly win their division. Mm -hmm. I don't call it a trap game. It's just two good teams playing each other. (laughs) Right. And I think that the Bengals are going to give the Chiefs some trouble because they are talented and they're Mm -hmm. playing well and they're, they're fighting. They're hungry. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought up that point too, Josh, because in effect, when you look back with what the Chiefs have been playing, you had the Pittsburgh Steelers last week who did not play worth a blast. <laughs> right. And you've had other teams who the Chiefs have faced who have really, in all honesty, appeared to be intimidated. The Cincinnati Bengals won't be. They're ready to go. I'm glad to hear you mention, John, about Mixon, one-time Oklahoma star, and this guy has... 
He's overcome some injuries now, and he is running he very well. And when you have a team that has that capability of a Joe Burrow at QB with a, a good core of receivers, plus a running back, plus a, a fair offensive line, they're not mm-hmm. as good as what Kansas City's is, but they are, they're okay. I think really the key is how does Burrow react to pressure? Because he's going to get a lot of that from the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. You've got a healthy Chris Jones. You've got a healthy... Uh, oh, uh, Frank Clark is uh, playing a whole lot better, and Melvin Ingram is there and, and doing his role. Every, th- th- these guys are going to put pressure on him, and Cincinnati's offensive line is going to really be put to the test. Yes. They are in, in my opinion, lies the difference in this game. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about this for just a second. I think Cincinnati's overrated. Do you? Oh, I'm, okay. looking at their, I'm looking at their schedule, mm-hmm. and they're, they beat Minnesota, which Minnesota's not that great of uh, a team. Yeah. They lost to Chicago. Mm. <laughs> okay, Chicago stinks. They beat Pittsburgh. They beat Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Okay, they lost to Green Bay. Okay, they beat Detroit. They got they hammered Baltimore. Mm-hmm. But then they lost to the Jets. Mm. Then they lost to Cleveland. They hammered the Va- they hammered the Raiders. They won the season. On against Pittsburgh, they beat them forty-one to ten. They mm-hmm. lost. To the Chargers, they lost to San Francisco. They barely beat Denver, fifteen to ten. And they beat Baltimore, forty-one twenty-one. Ravens defense stinks. It does, and, and, and that's that's really hard to say about a John Harbaugh team. Mm-hmm. But that that defense is terrible. And Joe, that's that's what's trying to point out. The Chiefs are a better team, man oh, for absolutely. man. The Chiefs are the best team, not only the AFC, but the best team in my opinion in all of National Football League. Mm-hmm. But here you're running into a team that quite obviously from the schedule you've looked at right there and portrayed is a team that needs a challenge. Yes. And they meet the challenges. Some of those teams that they play don't present any kind of emotional challenge. Mm. This is a young Bengals team, and young teams that are not experienced to playing in high-level competition have a tendency to either play great Mm. or not worth a blast. I think the Bengals play a good football game today because Burrow been through that championship stuff with LSU Uh and uh, some of the other individuals mixing at Oklahoma. They've been through high levels of competition. It's not the same as NFL competition. No, it is not. It is not. But it it does present your... Your uh, your character, how you're going to be able to look at them in in a, in a much more positive light. The cliche that comes to mind when you just read off those results is what we used to say about the Chiefs a few years ago. They played down to the level of their competition. Right. <laughs> the Chiefs got over that, and so I feel like you may be right, Ned. This is a young Cincinnati team that's that's not really figured out that we have to really put our foot on the mm-hmm. neck of the of the, the lower teams. But that's what it seems like to me is they're playing down to the level of their competition quite a bit this this year. So that means that hopefully, I mean, they could play the Chiefs really tough, but maybe they won't. <laughs> well, let, let's face it, too. The NFL is a week-to-week. Oh, oh it's yeah. a very week-to-week league. I mean, we Absolutely. just mentioned in the last segment Baker Mayfield. There was a couple of news outlets were like, time to for the Cleveland Browns to be done with the Baker Mayfield experiment. Joe Burrow had a great game last week, had a fantastic game. So you're looking at stocks rise and fall with these guys yes. week to week. And I think that's part of the the way the NFL works because there's so much time between games and weekends to talk about what's going on in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me one person who thought at midseason that the Lions would have two wins and a tie in the second <laughs> half. 
I mean, it is. It's week to week. I wouldn't yeah. even expect him to even won those two games. Absolutely not. <laughs> well, there you know, it's a franchise that probably should be folded. Right. Year, <laughs> year, year. Come on. They're going Saskatchewan. A, Saskatchewan. The down period guys are going through a down period. A long, long, right. it's been, long. It's been 20 years <laughs> now. Barry Sanders retired. <laughs> Yeah, well, even with Barry Sanders, with Barry they, Sanders they barely made the playoffs. Yeah, yeah a couple that's, of times. but they did make them though. That's yeah, a couple of times. They've had some bad so front Fox office situations and uh, bad coaching and so yes. forth and so on. But somewhere along the line, they'll be back. Bring back Wayne Fonts. <laughs> <laughs> when we come back, we'll do a little uh, conspiracy theory. We'll talk about sports conspiracy theories right here on one hundred four point seven The Cave. Ned Talk. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. You know, Josh Roberts has been waiting for this segment for... Three years now. <laughs> we talk about sports conspiracy theories, and uh, a couple of came to light this last week or the, over the last couple of weeks I wanted to talk about, and I thought, well, let's just do a segment where we talk about sports conspiracy theories. And let's start out with baseball because there's lockout right now mm-hmm. in Major League Baseball, yet the Dodgers signed somebody, Cody Bellinger, <laughs> To a contract. How does Ned explain that to me, please? Well, Ned can explain it to you, other than the fact that it was all accomplished before the lockout, and they chose now, what, uh, two weeks ago, in the middle of the lockouts, to disclose. It may have had something to do with monetary figures and so forth. I, I, I honestly don't know. But it does appear to be strange. However, legally, they were not allowed to do that. So I have to assume that what they say being done before the lockout occurred has to be factual. We can assume innocence, <laughs> but I choose not to most of the time. What I think goes on is the same thing that goes on in our day-to-day lives, in corporate America, and, of course, with professional sports teams. This is a lockout, and yes, they are for, forbidden from making contact with the players, that sort of thing. If anyone thinks for a hot minute that the agents and the professional baseball teams are not talking, are not getting things done. They're fooling themselves. In addition, Ned, I agree, the seeds may have been there early, but, you know, the document they have to submit to the league, it, it, there's whiteout still. Whiteout doesn't <laughs> not exist at this point. So <laughs> what do you think, Josh? Uh, I think that most professional sports uh, have the philosophy of asking forgiveness instead of permission. <laughs> yeah. uh, college sports, too, for that matter. Yes. Well, the way this is going to work, I'll tell you this, is that Ned's going to give the reasonable explanation for us. He's going to explain it to us the way the the corporate explanation, and then we'll go to Josh and John, and they'll give us the... Uh, <laughs> Reality. The Not reality of it. so fast. <laughs> I have my issues with corporate America, yes. too. And- <laughs> All right. My next one has to do with the NFL, and we won't get fully into Josh's NFL conspiracy theories yet. Right. But let's talk about the COVID thing. 
mm-hmm. that, that there were some people that proposed the idea that the NFL went to a more stringent COVID guideline so that they could get football on an extra couple of days of the week. Your thoughts, Oh, Matt. I don't know. I don't think that occurred at all. I think it was a matter of the NFL wanting to play their season because of the monetary rewards from, te- uh, from a TV. But, oh, no, I don't think it had anything to do with that. The fact that they got their games in and the fact that it did not continue this year with one week exception, mm-hmm. that, uh, I, no, I, I, I can't buy that at all. Now, uh, COVID... And the way the NFL reacted, I thought, was rather interesting because they knew fully well they weren't going to play in front of any crowds last mm-hmm. year. But yet they went on with the season because the TV money, they, mm-hmm. they did not want to give any of that up. What it proved to me was we can play these games. Are we, is, it, is it really necessary to block out all the fans? And as you saw, the fans were allowed by what they have, 35,000 for the Super Bowl uh, last year. They limited the crowd at uh, Raymond James Stadium, mm-hmm. whatever the fact is. I think as the season went on, you could see that there were some allowances made to having the public involved, whereas we shut down America mm-hmm. uh, right before or for much of the year before that happened. Mm-hmm. All right, now, John, tell us really what happened. <laughs> uh, what I feel happened on this one, I don't really feel this was a conspiracy, I'll be honest. I do feel the NFL was put in a bad situation with the complaints from teams that knew they were going to be without huge key parts. And at that point, it was necessary to move the games. Now, the argument that from a financial standpoint, that way they get the NFL on on different days of the week, I'll argue with that because I can take my own situation. I didn't watch these games because I had no flipping idea there was football going on on Tuesday and Wednesday. Most of America falls in that same boat unless your team was playing in one of those games. So, What do you think, Josh? I love conspiracy theories. (laughs) (laughs) I hadn't heard this one, but I'm all for it because it's all about money. That's what you got to do, especially with the NFL. Follow the money. And if they're getting more primetime television time, they're making more money. But the right. argument, Josh, is that we are a nation of, of predictability in terms of viewing habits and in terms of what we do on a regular daily basis. Sure. Those games weren't planned originally. No. And, and so from that perspective, yeah, I mean, they, but they still made money on those that they wouldn't have made otherwise. They made right? money because the games were on TV. And they were national, nationally televised instead of just local. It didn't, it didn't affect their money. At all. The, I the assure you it did. No, the money's the same regardless of that because that's the contract that they signed. But they did want that. I'll give you that. They did want those games on and played. That had to happen. Well, I think it's funny that it fell at a point in the season where it actually worked for them yeah. because of high school football. Because And that's the main reason why they don't do Friday and Saturday games until the NFL, until the college football season's over or the high school football season's over is because they don't want to, they don't want to, Fight for those exactly. viewers. But as soon as those things are over, they're playing on Saturday. They're getting out there as mm-hmm. quickly as they possibly can. And on that one week, they play Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. They had every day of the week except Wednesday and Friday. What about this, Ned? What if they were testing the waters with this? And if they made enough money on these extra games, they're going to try to implement extra games next year. The argument is that they didn't make extra money. They made the money that they would have. They would have forfeited it. Otherwise, if those games weren't played. 
there would have been no money. Right. But there was going to be money for these. So getting them played, yeah, I'll give you that. But the the fact that they did it for a reason, no. Uh, they did to get some money for it, sure. But in terms of trying to create a space for them in the week, no. You can only watch football so much, guys. I mean, you can OD <laughs> I don't on think anything. You've, I think most football fans don't feel the way you yes, know. The yes, baseball I think fan they do. Well, I think they do. And if I can add one thing, too, I'm going to add the new Coke argument into this. So... If the NFL is interested in moving games throughout the week, okay, Monday Night Football, for example, is an institution. People know it's Not on. Anymore. Well, I just don't think more people clear off their evening than you think. You if know. you move Monday Night Football and you say, all new for the NFL season, Friday Night Football, it's not going to do as well. We are creatures of habit. I don't feel like they're going to move it. I think they're going to add to the schedule. Yeah, I, I just don't think it'll be the financial boon. That, but, you know, people yeah. talk about that new Coke analogy. Coca-Cola, when they did new Coke, they got almost 90% of the soda share at one time. That's true. And a lot of, not a lot of people realize that, that that may have been actually a conspiracy hmm. on Coke's part to create people, to get that part of there and then go back to the old thing. Hmm. So let's talk about Josh's favorite conspiracy theory. And we can, <laughs> we can spread this out a little bit, too, so it's not just focused on the NFL. Do officials control games and yes. make them more interesting for us? Yes. And especially the NBA and the NFL. When you say officials, are you making reference to the game officials on yes, the field? on the field. I don't want to believe that, no. I don't, I, I can't believe it. It has happened. It happened in the NBA with allegedly one official. Which Not allegedly. <laughs> he's found guilty. Yeah. No, 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 no. Allegedly one. one. I'm talking about the number. As opposed to all of them. Yeah. Allegedly. Allegedally just one. Just making reference to the numbers because I really feel like there were more than just one person involved in that. (laughs) But uh, they've so quick when uh, the commissioner came out so quick. He's the only one within a day of this happening. Right. Bull. Or balderdash, as we say. <laughs> Horse feathers. Let me point this out to you really quickly, too. He makes very good money these days on a sports betting book that he runs where he advises bettors on the tendencies of NBA officials. After and while he is wow. recovering from the broken legs he got in prison, too, which, which <laughs> oh, he he's, did yet. He, he's doing quite well these days. Well, do you sacrifice your morality for... Uh, he did. Over he and probably above cries that. himself Do to sleep and he's officials control it? I can't, I can't buy it. I don't think so. I think 98 to 99%, if not 100% of them are honest. They're giving their very best. That's what I want to believe and that's what I will believe. But I, I think maybe it's a league mandate, though. No. No. Mm, what do you think? So my opinion on this is going to be really middle of the road. So this is nice that I'm going between Ned and Josh. <laughs> so do I feel that officials are incentivized or, you know, given things to influence the game? No. Do I think human nature comes into play? Yes. If it's a close, close game and there's one team that's chasing history or chasing something, I've seen games end on questionable calls. We all have. In baseball, you see that outside strike called looking that there's no way it should have been. You see it in football. Oh, we called a pass interference here because this is going to be exciting. Are there tendencies that refs make in all of the sports? Yes. Do I think it is an actual fix? No, I don't. All right, Josh. Okay. 
I've been sitting here biting my tongue for this whole segment. You got 28 seconds. Okay, here's the deal. <laughs> Especially in football, the, the fact that the evolution of the game has led to holding happens on every play on offense, pass interference or illegal contact happens every play on defense. The players have grown to accept that. They do it. It's part of their game. So what that has allowed is the officials to call those whenever they feel that they need to because it's it's happening. It's happening every play. They just don't call it every play. That has allowed them to control the tempo of the game and the outcome of the game subsequently because those are big penalties most of the time. They're drive killers. They're touchdown removers. They control the tempo and, and momentum of a game by doing that. It's hard to argue with that. I mean, you look at how many penalties were called on the Chiefs in the Super Bowl <laughs> that we didn't see up to that point, and, uh, well, there was. Well, you can't really argue with it. All you can do is look at it from an inward circumstance and your own mentality and say, I don't want to believe that, yes. and I won't believe that. From a tangible standpoint, can you look at it? You can look at any play mm-hmm. and say, he's holding, he's exactly. holding. There are so many of them that occur mm-hmm. That yeah, I guess theoretically officials could do it. But I've been told that the call, the holding call, is one in which a player from the offensive line wrestles the on-rushing lineman down. And the same with the interference call is when you grab the guy mm-hmm. and actually prevent him from catching the ball. But again, it's subjective, and you can yes. call anything the way you see it. Mm-hmm. But is it a conspiracy? No, I won't believe it. Follow the money, Ned. (laughs) We'll be back with our picks in just a moment. It's Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. 34, a balmy 34 in Cincinnati as the Chiefs get set to take on the Bengals. Pre-game show starts in a little under four minutes. It is time for us to do our picks for today's game, and we will start with Mr. Reynolds. I think it'll be a high-scoring game, and I think the Chiefs will win it, and I'm going to say somewhere in the neighborhood of maybe uh, 38 to... 38 to 34, Kansas City. All right. What if, what about you, John? I had my pick already in my mind. It's pretty close to Ned's. I'm going to pick 36-34, but I am going to tip to the Bengals on this really? one. Ooh. I, I was thinking high-scoring game, too. I'm thinking 35-30, Chiefs. I'm going to go 28-17, and uh, the extra seven comes in wash-up time at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. So I think the Chiefs will control this game from start to finish because I think the Bengals are overrated. I said that earlier, mm-hmm. and I'm sticking by it. So if I'm wrong, <laughs> you stick to I'm it. I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about our players of the week. Morrison, Webster, and Carlton brings that to you, Ned. Who have you got for your player of the week? Well, because the Cincinnati Bengals defense all year long has been very suspicious against tight ends, I will go with Travis Kelsey as having a huge game, and he is back and ready to play. What do you think, John? I'm going to lump on Byron Pringle. He really, He's really come along nicely this season, and it just gives the Chiefs even more weapons. Josh? I'm going to go with uh, Chris Jones. I think yeah. he's going to have a stellar game. I will, I'm going to go with the uh, safe bet. I'm going to go with Patrick Mahomes. I think he's going to have a great game today. Because you know what? 
guys like him, they hear all the buzz during the course of the week about Joe Burrow. He's the next guy. He's the next big thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that becomes bulletin board material in his mind. And he's going to go, you know what? I'm still here. I'm mm -hmm. I'm still the best in the NFL, and I'm going to go out today, and I'm going to prove that I'm best in the NFL. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's my thoughts on the game. Thanks, everybody, for being in the studio. Happy New Year. Do you have any New Year wishes for everybody? Health, happiness, and most of all, peace. Please. Mm -hmm. What about like you, that. John? Uh, a racing 2020 and 2021, and hopefully a new year. Yeah, what do you think? Josh, I, I just what they said. Same thing. Peace, <laughs> you know, peace, health, happiness. Next week we are when we are on at one o'clock next week as the Chiefs will take on the Denver Broncos for the. Can you believe it? Final game of the season. Regular wow. season. Final game of the regular season. Yes, yes. I'm glad that you pointed that out to me. But that's when we'll be on the air. Mike and Ned will be back in the studio all next week. So starting, starting tomorrow. Right starting now. tomorrow. All right, guys. We'll see you next Sunday. Enjoy the Chiefs and the Bengals. It's coming up next right here on 104.7 The Cave. Thanks to Mike the Intern, Brian Tyndall, Corbin Campbell, and Nick Fury. We'll see you next week.